Hello and welcome back to episode 3 of the Lancashire Football Show. I'm your host, Ashley Edwards, and joining me again this week, I have Ben, Matt and Callum. Thank you again for all the support on episode 1 and 2. The, uh, last week, our biggest talking points focused around Morecambe and how far they can go, as well as the match between Fleetwood and Accrington Stanley. However, this week, our biggest talking points are... Burnley picked up two great draws against Leicester and Arsenal. You could say that they should have taken all three points in both games, but as always, VAR did play its part. We'll be looking into these games a bit more. However, a win for Fulham against Liverpool earlier today did put a slight negative on a good week for the Clarets. Blackpool dropped two points in the 93rd minute against Wimbledon yesterday, as well as conceding a late equaliser to Crew Alexandra on Tuesday night. Four points lost in total now for Blackpool. However, they still have games in hand. Is a promotion or a playoff place achievable for them? Fleetwood also had a big week as they beat both Lincoln City and Shrewsbury Town. We'll look into those games as well as discussing who should they get in as manager if Grayson wasn't given an extension. P&E had another tough week. They lost one and drew one. The comeback against Bournemouth was a good one, but they do need to win more games. They've won one in their last six now. However, their next three games are all against sides who they should beat on paper. Is it too late for a playoff push? However, as always, we're going to kick it off in League. Starting with Morecambe. Yeah, they've had a good week, haven't they, Morecambe? Um, two successive 3 1 victories at home. Um, talking about Tuesday night, it was a really good performance. You know, Derek Adams made, I think it was four or five changes before the game. Um, but ultimately, the team carved out one of the strongest performances of the season. Um, and you could argue that the scoreline flattered Crawley. Um, and then you look at yesterday, like I say, another 3 1 win. Um, Interestingly, uh, Adams made a further four or five changes on the back of the Crawley game, much to the surprise of uh, a number of their fans. Um, but again, you know, another solid performance from the uh, fr- from the Shrimps. Um, could have been four or five, really, if it wasn't for, for wasted chances, um, mixed in with resolute defending and, and goalkeeping from the visitors. So, yeah, they're now fourth in the league on, on 55 points, two points clear from the automatic places, with uh, Forest Green coming up there. Uh, on Tuesday night, who are in third place. Um, and a win will see them leapfrog Tuesday's opponents, um, though they do have two games in hand with Morecambe having won. Do you think that Forest Green game's arguably Morecambe's biggest game of the season so far? It's an interesting question. I think uh, the the timing, yeah. But, I mean, they've had games before where, you know, they've, they've, who was it? They played third versus fourth the other, uh, the other week. It might have been the Salford game. And at that point in the season, that was undoubtedly the, the biggest game of the season. So I think that just illustrates that every game now, between now and the end of the season, is massive. Um, Forest Green, obviously, have had a fantastic season. Um, and like I said, they do have games in hand. So regardless of what happens, they, they still have the opportunity to, to claw back points on, on Derek Adams' side. But, you know, um, they're in fine form in Morecambe, so uh, I wouldn't rule out a, a victory for them. Yeah, every game in League 2 becomes... It seems like every game in League Two becomes the uh, the biggest game of the season as the season progresses. Um, the league's so tight, but it's just unpredictable at the minute. And obviously, we wish the we wish the Shrimps well for the rest of the campaign. Well, looking beyond Forest Green, you know, on on Saturday they've got Newport at home, um, who are sixth, um, fifty one points with two games in hand. So it's another massive game. Um, but you look at, at Morecambe's home form. Um, they've played 16, won nine, drawn four, and only lost three this season. Um, with another positive being that, that goals are now coming from different players. I know after the departure of Adam Phillips, there were a, a, a bit of concern surrounding where 
where goals could come from. But, you know, Carlos Mendes Gomez, I think he's on 11 for the campaign now in, in all competitions. So, the, the, yeah, the, the, they're finding the feet all over the pitch and um, it, it's it's the right time of the campaign to find form as well. Definitely. Let's hope that Morecambe can push on and continue their uh, promotion push and, and their great season so far. And now moving over to League One, Matt Blackpool drops two points in their game against Wimbledon. You know they they conceded fairly late, didn't they? It's a a, a very disappointing week for for Blackpool, considering the positions they were in 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 both games. Um, Tuesday night, obviously they conceded a, an 86th minute equaliser um, at home to Crew Alexandra, and then you know even worse yesterday at home to AFC Wimbledon, and they conceded in the 93rd minute. Um, and if we look at the league table, they would have been ninth if they would have won both games on 49 points, only three points behind the playoffs. But instead, they're in 12th on, on 45 points, which, let's be honest, it's not a terrible position. But if you look at what could have been, then, yeah, it's it's disappointing for, for Neil Critchley's side. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's, it's been a bit of a down week for him. But if you look at the table, they've got games in hand, haven't they? Pretty much on every team in the league. Um, so... I'm interested to hear both of the lads' thoughts here and, and yours as well, Ash. Do you think having games in hand is a bonus to teams? I'll kick it off here. I think it works one or two ways. And I think I think you brought up the point last week that I think the, you know, the manager and the players would most definitely want to have, have already played those games because then they'll know they'll have a better feel of, of where, you know, where they'd be in the table. And now they're looking at a point of in a season that's already so compact, you know, when are they going to fit those games in? And my concern is that they'll, they'll try and fit them in too much at once and fatigue will play a factor. And personally, I think that, you know, the, the two poor results this week could be a result of fatigue because they've played so many in such a few weeks and they've, they've got so many coming as well. I, I don't know what the other lads think. When it comes to games in hand, you can look at it one of two ways, can't you? Um, first of all, the league table as it stands is not really a true reflection because, like we say, they do have opportunities to claw back points, but also compare it to the likes of Carlisle United um, in League Two. They've got arguably one of the most numbers of, of games in hand at the minute across all the, the divisions, arguably, and they are crumbling big time. They were in such fine form at the start of campaign and now they're, they're just almost in free fall. So it's one of them. Um, I, I think they'll be okay. To be honest, I, I don't think they'll they'll have anything close to, to Carlisle in terms of um, you know, not capitalising on those those games in hand. Yeah, I think games in hand, especially when you look at where Blackpool are, they've got five. If they can get a bit of momentum going in those games in hand, they can push up the push up the league. I think a surprising result for MK Dons on the weekend losing to Wigan, that could be interesting because obviously Blackpool play them play them next. So there is a chance for Blackpool to capitalise on the position. They're in, but I suppose conceding late goals like they did against Wimbledon is not going to be good for them. And just out of uh, interest, Matt, do you know who those games in hand are against? Yeah, so they've got Burton at home, Peterborough at home, Accrington at home, Sunderland away, and Doncaster at home. So quite a tough selection of games there, really. Um, I mean, most of them teams have, have done well uh, in their own rights this season, so. Yeah, we'll just have to see how, how they go, really. Like we say, hopefully they'll they'll capitalise on it. Yeah, I think it's interesting for me. You say they've got all, I think, four out of five, you mentioned there, were at home. And 
I'd guess, for, without without looking at the stats, that most of the ones that have been called off have been for the pitch um, rather than COVID, as we've come to know this year. Which is, if I, if I was a Blackpool fan, I'd be quite worried because yes, the pitch hasn't always been great, but for me. I can't remember a year when one team has had so many games called off for the pitch. Yeah, you look up up up, up the road as well with Morecambe, and, and they're a League Two club, with all due respect to them. And um, they've only had maybe one game, I think, this season that was called off, and that was due to a frozen pitch. So it's it's just comparing the two, isn't it? It's it's quite alarming, really. Like you say, if, you, if you're a Blackpool fan with, the, with with this ongoing, you'd be uh, you'd be concerned, I think. Just to finally touch on... Blackpool, before we move on, they've got um, MK Dons up next on, on Tuesday night. What do you think they can expect from that game? It'd be a tough game again, won't it? Um, my question would be, where is their confidence going to be going into the game, considering that they've conceded two last-minute uh, last equalisers in two successive games? Um, I'm sure the manager will be urging them on to, to respond the best way possible, which would be claiming all three points. But it goes without saying, it's easier said than done, isn't it? So I don't know. I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if they did come back and, uh, and and get the win. But we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? And moving on to, to Fleetwood now, we're also in League One. They won two massive games this week for them. You know, How did those those play out? Yeah, Fleetwood, two great wins for them this week against uh, Lincoln and Shrewsbury, respectively. I think I probably didn't expect them to beat Lincoln, definitely not away from home, so fair play to them for proving me wrong. Um, I think now, like we've discussed previously, it's, it is a case of just get the points on the board and stay up and, and basically rebuild this summer for the Cods, so we'll just see how they fare in the coming weeks. Gillingham's up next for them, so they'll be wanting to pick up points again but that won't be easy as they've won, won three in the last five but looking on to a bit of a more longer term picture now Ben who do you think they should get in if Grayson you know if they don't give Grayson an extension and if he doesn't stay after this season's done it, it's a very very tough one to call I think if, if you look at the betting odds as you would say um, Tim Kayer was out in front the last time I checked I think that's a bit of a strange appointment but the reason I say it's tough for Fleetwood is because Fleetwood are a, a progressive team, they're a progressive club. I think obviously we've seen them rise from non-league, um, and I think now it's a case of the next appointment could be crucial. So for me, I'm not sure if Tim Kale's the right man, but I couldn't tell you who is. I, is it not as simple as, as saying the right man's already in the in the seat? You know, he's, uh, he's, he's come in as Simon Grayson and he's, he's doing a good job, isn't he? Um, obviously, two solid wins, like we say in the week. Would it not be better if every, you know, if it works for all parties for them to, to stick with Grayson? I think it'd be the sensible choice, definitely. I think with Fleetwood, Ben, you touched on it, progressive. I think Fleetwood, to me, screams a club that need a fresh approach, a young manager, someone who probably wasn't given a brilliant chance at Huddersfield after he left Lincoln, Danny Cowley. Potentially, he could be... And a route they take, but I think whoever they go with, I think it's Fleetwood are a good side when they when they play good football, and I think on their day they can. I mean, we saw it with with, with them beating Lincoln, and I think with a with a good manager, a bit of a new era, maybe move on from Grayson. Obviously, he's not been there long at all, but with him just coming in and steadying the ship, potentially moving on from him and creating a new era with a young a young head that could spur them on and take them to the championship, which is obviously 
where they'll be eventually aiming for. Obviously, they weren't far off last year, so we will have to see. Well, Fleetwood have got previous with that, haven't they? Obviously, with Joey Barton, they gave him his first job as a manager in football. And I think upon reflection, it wasn't a bad appointment, was it? Obviously, they reached the playoffs. They, they lost out on the playoffs quite disappointingly, really. But um, it, it's it's not something in terms of, you know, giving uh, new up-and-coming managers a chance. It's not something that, that Fleetwood are, are alien to. So, like we say, it'd be interesting to see how that he... Sorry, it'd be interesting to see how that develops. And now to the to the final team in League One. We're just going to mention their results this week as we went into quite some depth last week. Um, not massive news this week, but winning a loss for Accrington, 2-1 loss to Ipswich and a, and a 2-1 win to Swindon Town. Um, they, they stay in seventh. You know, like we said, they, they're doing really well this season and John Coleman's doing a great job and then hopefully they'll, they'll push on and stay in those playoff areas. To the championship now, we're going to kick it off with Blackburn this week. Who have you know they've won their first game since the 30th of January. How did they do, Cal? Yeah, two 0 away win against Millwall. A game as a Blackburn as, as as Blackburn fans would probably want to have won, and they've won it. And I think it was a game they could have. A, a player who scored, Bradley Dack. We talked about him last week, probably being the sort of so-called star man in the Blackburn side, and I suppose he sort of proved it yesterday. But Looking, looking on it, it's a fantastic result for them. You could say they've saved a season, a, a, an extra three points they didn't have last week. And I think it's probably just kept them a little bit above that sort of dangerous area. They're 15th at the moment. You never know what could happen in the next couple of weeks. But with, obviously, Brentford coming up, that could be quite difficult. But it's, it's a good result for them, especially the rut they've been in lately. One win does not guarantee the safety of Tony Mowbray's job. Obviously, it's nice for them to get that first win, like you say, since the back end of January. What needs to happen now for Blackburn? Do they need, you know, they obviously need to push on, but what needs to happen now for Tony Mowbray to have a bit, you know, of the pressure off his shoulders lifted a little bit? I think he needs another two wins. You look at the the next two, Brentford and Bristol City. Bristol City are a team around where Blackburn are. Obviously, Brentford is a tough one. But then after Bristol City, they've got Norwich. So their games, if if Mowbray can win those games, then they're games where it can sort of change the fortune of him. And if they can beat Brentford and Norwich especially, not that, well, we don't know that yet. But if they do, then I think that will definitely lift some pressure off him, yeah. For me, though, Cal, I think nothing salvages the... Um... Especially not the relationship between Mowbray and his fans at the minute. I think we've we've discussed them a lot over the last few weeks in terms of it, it's gone sour now. There's like I said, I don't think there's anything that can save it. They walk 14 points off the playoffs. If I've done my maths right, um, they won't get the playoffs this season. Now they've left it too late. Even if they went on a little run, they're not going to win every game from now till the end of the season. It it's impossible. Um, so I think for me. Mowbray's got to leave at the end of the season. I think I think he has enough about him to, to definitely to keep him up. I think especially after the result we've seen this weekend. But following on from this season, where do Blackburn want to go as a club? Blackburn Rovers as well. You know, they've been in torrid form. It's, it's there for everyone to see. And they have stuck with Mowbray through that form. So they're going to, you know, if they start winning games now, then they're not going to, I highly doubt they're going to part ways with Mowbray when they're winning games, if, if they didn't, you know, sack him when they were in their torrid form. So 
what will it take for, for Mowbray to, to lose his job? I, I really don't know. I think Ben's right. I think, you know, a couple of wins here and there, it will take the pressure off you for a little bit. But then when you start losing again, it's just going to come back. And I think you won't win all the games between now and the rest of the season. You might draw some, but even then, I think, yeah, it, it probably does run deeper. The win against Millwall was was a good one for them. It's it's the best result they've had in a long while. So, yeah, it's probably not going to save his job, but you never know what can happen. I mean, the Championship's pretty wild. You never know whether they do win another two or three. But, yeah, so I think he could still be in danger by the end of the season. I think when you look at Blackburn, potentially they do need a new man. Yeah, just to finish the segment, personally, I, I don't see... Mowbray sticking at all. I don't. I like. I just think it's gone stale. It's gone sour. I think it's fans are bored of of not winning games regularly. And let's let's have it right. Blackburn Rovers are a, a, a big team in their own right. They've won the Premier League. They shouldn't be struggling in the Championship. Yes, obviously, uh, reputation and history counts for nothing in terms of actual form. But it's got to be better for Blackburn for me. Definitely. And like we said, it doesn't get easier for them. Swansea, Brentford, Bristol, Norwich, Wickham, the next five. Uh, let's hope for their sake they can pick something up there. But moving across to the other Lancashire club is Preston North End. They struggled again this week. They lost one and they drew one. Uh, Cal, they've only won one in the last six, but they, they have three games up now, which on paper they should be winning, shouldn't they? Realistically, they should be, yeah. But I think, again, I've used this word every single episode when we've been talking about Preston, it is consistency, but it probably is getting a little bit deeper than that now. I think, you know, like the Mowbray situation, one result once in a while might be okay, but the the, the issues are going to crop back up. And I think they have in the last week for Preston. You could say it was a, a decent point against Bournemouth. They came back from behind, but to lose before that to Millwall, it's not, it's not a brilliant result at all, especially when that's a game where there are only two places between each other so yeah it's not looking good for them but again the the, the fixtures they've got coming up Wickham their next one that's a game they must win Middlesbrough and Luton are both quite good sides this season so who knows it's, it's really tough but I think again I think Mowbray and Neil are both going to be struggling to keep their jobs come the end of the season yeah you touched on the, the Millwall defeat there and I think it's worse for for Peony given that They've gone away to a tough place to win in Millwall. They've gone in front early on in the game, then conceded an equaliser. And rather than shutting up shot to try and at least salvage a draw, they've then gone and conceded late on. It's you know, again, like you said with Mowbray, it's gone stale, and I don't see Neil lasting very long. With Preston, um, and and arguably Blackburn as well. You look at where we are now in the in the campaign. There's what just about two months left of the season, they're not going to go down. They're not going to go up. So what point would they be sacking them now and, and bringing in a new manager? Would you not say it's better for all parties to keep the managers in place for now, let them have until the rest of the season, rather than bringing somebody who isn't familiar with the squad, the surroundings, etc.? Yeah, I think you keep them in now. And I think going into next season that's when you look to to make the change because, yeah, there's not much point sacking a manager from a team that's in Preston's 13th or 15th in Blackburn's case. But like Ben said, I think if 
with looking at Preston, if Alex Neal was going to be the, the man to, to promote them or to at least get them in the top eight, I know he did last season ninth, but if he was going to be the man, they'd have done it this season and they've faltered really. They had a, they've had a few decent results, but it's it's not looking good. And I think if he was going to be the guy, I think they'd be doing a lot better than they are. Definitely. I think the only concern that both clubs have is if they do sack the manager and get someone in, they are going to have to give them time you know, potentially they're going to have to be patient again next season until they're settled in with their squads. We're going to move on to the Premier League now and Burnley. Um, a great week for them, considering the teams that they've played. Two good draws for the Clarets this week and they could have possibly won both games too, couldn't they? Yeah, I think... I'm not sure if I'd actually use the word very good, the phrase very good, uh, this week for Burnley. In terms of their own performances, certainly. Um, obviously, like you said, two draws against Leicester and Arsenal, who, let's be honest, will, well, they'll definitely finish above Burnley in the table, um, and you would expect them to even before the season kicked off. What I would say, though, is in both games, they should have won, because they had more shots on target against Leicester, Um and against Arsenal, actually. And I think Schmeichel, Schmeichel Kasper Schmeichel, saved saved Leicester from a defeat uh, at Turf Moor on, on Wednesday night, I think it was. Um, a good goal from Vidra. Sloppy, well, good finish for me in actual, but sloppy defending. Um, and then Schmeichel pulls off wonder saves numerous times to keep the scores level. Going into Saturday then against Arsenal, early kickoff, an, an early goal conceded... Um, from Aubameyang Lawton backed off him so that's not great and personally Port for me could have saved it I thought the first half was pretty bland from the Corridor's point of view yes they got the equaliser it was a little slice of luck but then obviously that game's come to life in the second half Eric Peters involved in everything when he came on got sent off got overturned by VAR and then the one the one thing that I just want to add before I go into a bit of analysis is that Peters actually got sent abuse after the game yesterday uh, by Arsenal fans online. and Well, I, I wouldn't call them fans. It's people sitting behind profiles. And without giving them a platform, they were saying stuff like, I hope your wife gets cancer. His wife's pregnant. Um, now, that, it's, it's just not acceptable. Yeah, absolutely it's disgusting. absolutely disgusting. There's, there's no need for it whatsoever. Um, but no. I don't want to give them a platform, so let's just move on. Um, yeah. In terms of the week, yeah, two great points for Burnley. But it's tinged with disappointment given that the teams around them have picked up points as well. You know, Newcastle and West Brom drew nothing apiece today. Uh, and Fulham have gone and won at Liverpool, which everyone seems to be doing at the minute. So, Burnley, I think four points um, off the drop zone now. 15th, they're in a relegation battle. And it could be a crucial week. Essentially, Burnley have dropped four points. I think the way we've got to look at is, and I think I touched on it last week, there's no way that Dykes is paying too much attention to what everybody else is doing. He's primarily focusing on what he can do and what his team can affect. And if we look at it from that sense, especially based on the performances that they put in against uh, West Brom and Tottenham, um, I think from that point of view, you've got to say that it's it's been a good week for them, primarily based on, like I said, the previous performances. Beforehand, you wouldn't have said that they would, they'd have a sniff against either Leicester or Arsenal. I think the big question has to be, Ben, um, did they get lucky through VAR against Arsenal? Well, 
I'm going to let Cal come in on this first before I give my opinion. I was just going to mention the fact that, yeah, I think Ben's right. I think Burnley are in a relegation scrap, four points above Fulham. And I spoke to somebody the other day and I think Brighton are a good side. They just can't take their chances. Newcastle drawing away at West Brom today wasn't a brilliant result for them, but a point to point. I think Everton next for Burnley is going to be tough. But Southampton after that, they've faltered quite a bit. They're 14th now. I think Southampton... That game for Burnley has to be a victory. And I think that if, if that's to be a win, I think that could be the win that will put people's mind at rest as to whether Burnley are going to stay in the league. That's all well good, Cal. But answer his question. Did they get lucky with VAR? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one. I think they might have got a little bit lucky because I do think, I do think it was. I think... I do think it was. If you look at West Bro- the West Brom game... And I don't know if any of you guys saw it, but there was a, a contentious decision in that game that uh, the West Brom player, I can't remember who it was, um, arguably the ball struck his arm in the box and, and his arm was, it wasn't by his side, it was stretched out like a scarecrow almost. So what is it they say that, uh, you know, these things come out to even even themselves out by the end of the season? See, for me, I, I don't think it is a penalty, given the, laws of the, given the laws of the game, it's not a penalty. I think the ref was... Pr- pretty quick to pull out the red card I think for me without VAR there to back him up and to at least give him the chance to overturn his decision I don't think it's given but what I will say is I think Peters knows what he's doing because that's the only part of his body you can block that shot with where nothing gets given against him as as someone who played defensively at football he knew what he was doing when he did it but within the laws of the game that's okay I think we as a podcast have been very lucky to uh, only have Burnley in the Premier League at this point and that VAR um, isn't in the other leagues. Um, I think or else every week it'd be about VAR, as we've found with many other things we talk about on a daily basis. Um, so to get to episode three and, and only just touch on VAR, I think we've done well there. That's um, a success, ben, I agree. <laughs> ben, just a final point on VAR. Uh, it's, a, it's a broad topic. But just to, to sum it up, has it benefited the Premier League? Have you got all there? Uh, (laughs) it's a tough one I think if you take any bias aside it has benefited the Premier League in terms of more decisions are now right by the laws of the game what I think needs to change are the laws of the game in certain scenarios definitely laws need to change because you know armpits being offside toenails being offside it doesn't sit right with me and uh it doesn't sit right with me and uh, I'm interested to see what Mark's got to say here because I really don't want to speak on the subject anymore. I I think if you were to take it away now, park the contentious decisions, that's one thing. If you were to take VAR away now, the clear-cut decisions, such as the offsides that perhaps a, 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 lines, a, you know, a linesman or a woman has missed, I think those would be the real cause for concern just because... Next season, for example, metaphorically speaking, we don't have VAR, okay? If in the first game, you know, there's a, a, a last-minute goal that's ruled out for offside, and then you look at the replay and it's clearly onside, the argument will be then, well, if VAR was in place, then, you know, it would have been overturned and a fair decision will have been reached. So I think we're beyond the point now of turning around and saying we've got to scrap VAR because I think that'll cause way too much hassle than it's worth. Yeah, I do agree with you in terms of we're, we're at where we're at with it now. 
Um, but Cal, are we missing human error in the game? Obviously, we, we watch the EFL and human error is still there. It's still allowed. And does that not take the emotion out of the game when that's taken away? I guess it does, yeah. It's it's really weird because there's some there's some situations, some decisions that are right and VAR have, have come in and, and chalked it off. The one where Diang scored for West Brom against Everton, that was offside and it was ruled out. But then there is, there is decisions like in the game yesterday where I think it was a penalty. And I think you could say Arsenal have been robbed of the win there, really. And I do think it is ruining football. But I guess in situations like that, it's also needed. It's a really difficult one. I'm, I'm more against VAR than I am for it, put it that way. To finish the pod, Ash, um, I, I want to know your thoughts on... I've seen a lot of slander online about Burnley yesterday defending with with 11 men behind the ball and should they be slandered for it? I think it's crazy. They're not doing anything illegal. They're not doing anything wrong. I mean, for the people that, that support the big clubs like City, like Tottenham, like United, you know, they watch their teams. They're attack, attack, attack. It's rare when they have 11 men behind the ball. But when they do, no one speaks of it. I mean, Mourinho's had it at the clubs he's been at. You know, he's been a part of the bus merchant. But it's the way Burnley have Burnley get results. They're in the Premier League for a reason. They've been in the Premier League for a number of years. You know, they got to the Europa League the other year because they defend so well. And for them to get scrutinised about it, it makes no sense. You can't tell a team to stop playing like that if it's getting them results. Especially, you know, and it, I think most of the abuse is coming from the from the teams that they they're playing against. And I mean, Arsenal have had their fair fair share of luck against Burnley. Over the years, um, I mean, Burnley. I don't need to remind Burnley fans of that anyway. So I think for for fans to come out and and slander teams such as Burnley for for defending like that, I just think it's crazy. And to be honest, to to use the term salty, I think that's the best way to describe the people using those comments. I think we've got to. I think we've got to have a bit of context as well, haven't we? I mean, that screenshot I saw it on Twitter. It was from the ninety fourth minute in a game against Arsenal. It's not, you know, a, a bottom of the table clash. It's against Arsenal, who, when you compare the two teams, I dread to think how much money's in it. The 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 offensive threat that Arsenal have, with no disrespect to Burnley, but when you compare the two sides, they are by far and away the stronger. Okay, so in con in in terms of context with the game, Burnley were lucky, arguably, to get a draw because Arsenal had so many chances. Um, they wasted them, but they had so many chances, which again highlights the offensive threat. So there'd be something seriously wrong if in the last minute of that game, you didn't have all of your outfield players in the box defending. I'd be amazed if any other team in the league did of a game. I'd be amazed. Well, let's hope that Burnley play one at the back to avoid upsetting anyone on Saturday against Everton. And let's hope that we won't be touching on VAR for at least another three weeks or else we might go insane. Um, I think it's a great place to end. Thank you again to Ben, Matt and Callum for joining me. We'll be back again next week. And again, if you want to get involved or have any talking points that you want us to discuss, then feel free to get in touch. All of our Twitter accounts will be in the podcast description. Um, Just to note that our theme music that you can hear at the start and at the end of this podcast, as well as in the breaks between the league, is by a group called The Cabs. You can check out all of their social media pages in the description of this podcast. This is the Lancashire Football Show and I am your host, Ashley Davis, and we'll see you next week.